What's going on with you, brother? Hey, how you doing, man? All right, nephew, what's going on, man? Oh, not much. What's up, on? Oh, not much, man. This is Ladarius. This is my nephew, Julius. And we want to welcome everybody to the Radical Thinkings uh, episode five. Uh, today we're gonna we're gonna talk about the educational system. We're gonna hit on um, some black excellence. We're gonna talk about why some of these hate crimes not not getting national media attention. Um, send my thoughts and prayers to uh, a police officer that died here yesterday in Monroe. I think her name was Arian Williams. She died in a car accident. And uh, you know, the inspiration for this show was uh, my nephew Julius. You know, he came on. He our special guest today. You know, he wanted to come in and give some insight. <clears throat> um, first off, let's talk about uh, Bill Gates. You know, he donated I think forty four million to the um, Department of Education. And uh, well, from my research, I know he's a big, um, big supporter of the Common Core. You know, doing some research on the um, Department of Education, it was started by none other than John D. Rockefeller. You know, he started off as the General Education Department, I think it was, or the General Education Board. You know, and he made some disparaging comments and quotes about it, you know. So it made me wonder, like, hey, why is Bill Gates so invested in this education? You know, the guy Rockefeller said, hey, I want a nation of workers, not thinkers. Mm. You know, and I mean, if you can look at the curriculum that we have in schools today, you know, it goes to show that, you know, he actually meant what he said, you know, and, and around the time that he said this, it was around the, um, the Industrial Revolution time. So, you know, you, you wonder why we go to school and we learn about fractions and stuff that you think like, man, why do I need to know this? You know, I'm never going to use this when I get older. But at the time, they was using this because they needed people, they needed workers to go into plants or, you know, these these industrial places and be able to make precision cuts. You know, him and um, Carnegie, Carnegie, um, you guys probably heard of Carnegie Hall up in New York. Um, mm -hmm. But he was big in steel. You know, so you need to know how to make these precision cuts. So you need to know, you know, what one-fourth is or what, one, you know, three-sixteenths is. So these measurements. So, you know, that's kind of how, you know, the Department of Education got started. Random, random thought about Carnegie. Uh, I don't know if you guys know this, uh, but the CNN anchor, uh, Anderson Cooper, that's his great-great-grandson. Wow. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I mean, like I said, with him starting it up and with him saying, you know, I want a nation of thinkers, I mean, a nation of workers, not thinkers, you know, like I say, it makes me wonder why is Bill Gates putting all this money into the educational system and advocating for this common core? Hmm. You know, what do you guys think? You know, I know it's graduation season and, and I salute everybody that's graduating from high school, kindergarten, like we did last week. But, you know, it, it just makes you wonder. What are y'all th thoughts on, on, on the education system of the United States? Well, my thoughts on the educational system is um, I believe Gates is trying to do the same thing Rockefeller did, especially now that everything is going to the technology era. And, of course, we all know that 
when you're talking about technology, you have to give a, a standing ovation to Bill Gates and the internet and what he did with the internet. But the thing about that is most people are getting away from those computer those computer jobs and start doing other things now. And, you know, that's kind of hurting his business. I mean, everything we do, everything we do with the computer is basically a way for him to make money. So the main thing he want to get into is more innovations with computer-based products. Um, I did a little research behind that. And what I noticed is this is not the only place that Bill Gates is actually doing these things. His organization is giving money to multiple countries promoting the same thing. So there is an agenda behind the things that he do. Now, uh, you know, you're saying promoting other things. Hopefully you're not talking about the vaccinations in Africa. You know, that's another day and another subject. But, you know, that's mm-hmm. one of the things that they're doing. Yeah, that's that's one of the things that I saw, and I was going to save the information for a later date. But just stand, talking about the educational system, we are at the point now to where everything you learn in school, more than 85% of that would never be used outside of school. So as a student or just as a person that went to school, I wonder why are we learning these things and what are we going to use those things for at a later time? And when you put two and two together, of course, you understand why. Now, those are my thoughts on that. Um, Do you guys want to add anything on there or say anything else about it? Trey, you want to go ahead? All right, well, um, I can hit on something, man. I, I can remember growing up, man, and in elementary, you know, we would take something called the CAT test, which was the California Achievement Test. Mm-hmm. You know, today, you know, it's called the I-LEAP. I'm not sure what exactly what it stands for, but, you know, these kids take these standardized tests, and, you know, they got to make a certain grade on it. You know, if they don't make the certain grade, they don't they don't get promoted to the next grade, or or whatever the case may be nowadays. But, I feel that, you know, that the tests are kind of biased because certain mm-hmm. schools and certain teachers teach on different levels. So, you know, I might go to one school, I might learn all the information that's on the test. Then I, then again, I might go to another school and I might not get any uh, or most of the information that's on that test. So why not we take the uh, the educational part of it, the test, out of the state's hands and put it in the local district's hands or the, the schools themselves and let the teachers. So let's say, okay, we're in the fifth grade and let's, let's get all the fifth grade teachers together and they go over the information that they actually gave out to the students. So it'd be fair it'd be even across the board that they get all the information that they put and they create their own tests within the school. And that'd be their standardized test. Mm-hmm. That'd be my suggestion because I believe it it'll be it'll be fair to the students to know that they have all the information that they're gonna be tested on because like I said, you know, with with time going by so fast with snow days and rainy days, you know, kids getting sick or teachers having to be out for something, they not getting all the information to the kids and these kids have to take tests on something that they don't mm-hmm. they never even seen the information for. Right. And, you know, it, it, it could be discouraging to a kid. You know, it, it's kids, you know, they make, they could make straight A's and, you know, they fail that test. 
you know, it can make them feel like crap. You know, but how can you test somebody on information that you never gave them? That is right. So, oh. also, um, something else I'd like to add to that discussion is, is, you know, I know we go to school and we learn these different things, but what what are we basing this level of intelligence off of? Are we off of what people want us to know or are we going off of what the person really knows because like you said everybody have different learning curves that's just, that's just like we goes into the information we were talking about success the other day um, most people view success as your education level where I view success is you setting up your goals and reaching the goals you want to reach because everybody's learning curves are different everybody not going to know math everybody not know science so who you know who write the curriculum and who who are you to say that somebody is less intelligent than you because they can't do things to your standard? True, man. You know, I'm a, um, I like to quote, man, and <clears throat> from the quote one of my favorite guys, Hewitt P. Newton, man. You know, he he from right here in Monroe. He was born in Monroe and grew up in Oakland. But he said, "Youth are passed through schools that don't teach, then forced to search for God jobs that don't exist." And finally, left stranded in the street to stare at the glamorous life advertised around them. Mm-hmm. You know, so they they go to school and and they learn and stuff. You know, they, these teachers know these guys not not getting the information. You know, you you can look and see when somebody's not following what what you're giving them. Mm-hmm. But nobody ever takes the time out to say, "Hey, you know what, young man, a young woman." You know, you're going to stay in here for your recess or your lunch so I can go over more and, and see if you actually get it. You know, came, I'm, I'm not going to blame it all on the teachers, but the parents, we have to take responsibility also because we see the grades come home. Hmm. We, we, we see the grades come home. And in essence, we're supposed to be those first teachers for our children. And if we don't ignite a fire up under them to want to learn their love or that wanting to learn for them is not going to be there if we don't if we don't like it. Our kids are going to follow what where we lead them. You know, right. if we show them like, hey, you know, we're interested in learning that, and that's something that we want to do, they they'll fall in line and, and they'll know it's important to us. But if we show them that other things are more important in life to us, that's what they're going to show us. And also, I want to add one more thing to that, um, especially when we were talking about education. I see that a lot of, especially in minorities, minorities, um, schools that have a high population of minorities, they're pushing, they're pushing the agenda of special education when these kids do not need special education. And, and not just special education. You know, my daughter, she's going from, she's going to high school next year and you know, they sent over this thing where you can make your skills and what you want to be. They're making you choose career path now. So mm-hmm. you can either go to the diploma route, that's if you want to go straight to um, to a university, a four-year university, or you can choose a route to where you don't. You know what I'm saying? So it's kind of like, I mean, and then the curriculum changed drastically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, but what if they don't, though, the kids that's getting this information don't have the guidance? You tell right. me, you know, and 
it, it's sad to say that we're not even giving the kids the hope that they need to make it into the, you know, to the next level. Not saying that education, you know, you have to go to college to make it. Because, I mean, we can look back. Bill Gates himself didn't finish college. You know, right. Mark Zuckerberg didn't finish, finish college. You know, you can go on and on. Steve Jobs, you know, didn't finish college, dropped out and made his money. So not saying that you have to go to college and, and have a, a master's, bachelor's, and all these degrees to actually make it. But what you do need is a solid game plan. Hmm. You need a solid game plan. And you can't you can't make that game plan at, you know, in eleventh grade. You need to know before then, you know, in what direction you want to go and then you adjust as you get there. Right. You know, that that's that's how I feel about it. Trey, you got you got anything to say about that? I mean, when you say uh, you know, Bill Gates and you talk about all these people. I think the biggest thing that people get caught up on is that those guys didn't go to like bottom level colleges. You know what I mean? These guys went to Harvard, yeah. You know, they went to some of the, what we consider to be the top tier, you know, colleges. True. And if you, and it's mm-hmm. almost like a stigma if you don't go to a top tier college, then did you really go to college? Hmm. Now, here's my thing. I think I texted you this uh, a couple of weeks ago. There's we pay to learn, huh. right? So All we right. go we, we go to college and we pay them to teach us to give us information, right? Mm-hmm. So regardless of what school you go to, the education should be on, on par with everyone else. I know you say you know I understand that Yale is the top tier, you know education or school but that's just like saying nike is superior to adidas you know it's in it's in it's it's all a name that we put out there and we make it we make it more prestigious than what it is Mm -hmm. the people so you know you can you know you can go to lsu and tech you can put you know both of them prestigious schools in louisiana both of them you know, within the top tier schools in Louisiana, but which one's better? I think it depends think on what you. I think it's based on because you you know when you get to college, it's more or less focused on a, a particular major. Yeah, and and that's where that's where it boils down to what it, what do you want to go for? If you want to go to school for engineering, you going to tech. You're going to go to tech. If you want to go to school mm-hmm. for anything else, you want to go to school like business. You go to LSU. Yeah, and and yeah, and, and that's what it boils down to. So. You know, you can say that this is a top tier school, you know, but it, it, it all boils down. So there goes the guidance. You know what I'm saying? We can't, you can't tell an 18 year old, say, okay, well, an 18 year old is going to say, well, I'm going to go to school for this. At some point, that 18 year old has to be guided where to go. Because if you tell an 18 year old to go, go to college, he's going to go to college for the easiest thing and he ain't going to even want to do it. He probably ain't going to even make his way all the way through college. I mean, we, we, we all passed that 18 years of age, so we know, we understand where I'm coming from with that statement. Mm-hmm. So you think it's, it's more or less people should be geared towards um, productive majors? Yeah. I, I, and, and if you look at other communities, you know, they get like 
it's a family full of nurses or it's a family full of doctors or a family full of teachers. Our community just, you know, our kids say, okay, well, I'm going to school for sociology. (laughs) You know, you go to school for sociology and you working at a plant. (laughs) You know, you got a degree in sociology, but you working in a plant. You you, you see what I'm saying? Like it don't equate. So now you go to school and you get $80,000 worth of debt to go make to, for a job that only paying you thirty five thousand, maybe forty five with overtime, mm-hmm. for something that you ain't even working in. You're not even working in the sociology field. Yeah, I agree with that. And, and you know, I told my kids what they were going to school for, like, like they had no choice. And and but I I didn't tell them like you know at thirteen fourteen years old. You know, at six seven years old, I asked them like, hey, what do you want to do? And they would say, oh. Well, I want to be a doctor. Well, it's millions and millions of, time, of type of doctors that you could be. Pick one. Let's do some research. And 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 I made him research. I made him look it up. So my son told me, hey, I want to be a veterinarian. And he told me this at like 9, 10 years old. And, you know, now he's 13. He still wants to be that veterinarian. But for a long time, from the ages of like 5, five to 9, Oh, he said, hey, I'm going to be a football player. I'm going to be a baseball player. I'm going to be a basketball player. But it wasn't until 10 that I guess he found his love, 9 or 10, when he found his love and passion for wanting to be a veterinarian. But, you know, it wasn't – it was something I told him, like, hey, man, you, you got to make a choice now. So that way you can kind of prepare. Now now he's in a, he's going to the eighth grade, so he got all this time to prepare for it. And if something changed, he can he can switch. But at least he has an idea. He's not going out there blind. He know what classes he needs to take. He know what schools that he might need to go to. And and all this, he know what type of grades that he needs to make. Hmm. So it's all in the preparation. We can't just let him go out there blind. Hey, I'm going to school for criminal justice. You know, you go and get that criminal justice degree and, and, and you cut in half. Not, not not saying that there's nothing wrong with working at a plant or cutting hair, but I'm just saying, why go get the debt if you're not going to find something in that field? Hmm. I can agree with that. I mean, you know, you you look at um, some business owners or, you know, that some doctors and, and you see like, okay, well, now they, they, they son or daughter's a doctor. Why? Because they tell them like, hey, you know, this is what you're going to do. Nobody say, oh, well, you just go pick and do whatever you whatever you choose. Who's going to pick the hard lessons? Who's going to pick the hard classes if if it was left up to them? And I, I think that's really more or less it. When you see, you know, your dad is a doctor, your mom's a doctor, the example's already been set. So, like, I feel like in just in the black community alone, we have few specs in terms of, like, examples they say, oh, man, my mom's a lawyer. My dad's a lawyer. Maybe I should be a lawyer, you know, because if you deviate any way from that, then you don't look like a failure. So other communities, you know, when you fail, they let you know that you failed. <laughs> like, no, this is not what we, you know, it's not what we was looking for. Mm-hmm. And you, you're absolutely right. So I, I take that as you're saying we have to set the bar a little higher. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, even even if we don't get get the chance, like I didn't get to get a chance to be a doctor, a medical doctor. 
even though I still have time to go back if I want to. But that yeah. that's the path that I'm putting them on. Um, my kids, my daughter wants to be an anesthesiologist. You know, I'm I'm putting them on that path. So that's why I say the guidance. We are truly our kids' first teachers. They learn from us. They learn from do what we do and how we carry ourselves. So if we set that stage for them, we can actually push them into those arenas without ever being there ourselves. Yeah, I agree with that. So Um, I guess next when we talk about um this lynching and um well I know of three of them. You know, two guys in Oklahoma that got, you know, lynched, hung, dismembered, you know, by a family of white men. And um I I think uh, a couple weeks ago somebody got hung from a bridge in Atlanta. But it's it's not getting it's not getting any CNN, MSNBC, Fox, you know, nobody's reporting on it. But you know, soon as the the uh, the guy shoots up the school, you know, they they want to talk about this like all day and every day. I believe that you get you, you know they starting to reap what they sow. You know, you think about it. They give these kids you know guns at five six years old. You know, at at five six years old, these guys getting twenty two. 22 inch rifle to go to go hunting to shoot their first deer or to shoot their first duck, but they're right. surprised, you know, when they get 13, 14 years old and they go to high school and people say something about them that they can't take, and they shoot up to school. How can you as a parent be so disconnected? You know, you you can blame it on the bullies all you want to, but at some point the parent has to take some type of responsibility and know like hey something going on with my kid you know he ain't the same person that he was before you know and, and you have to you have to have those tough conversations with your children like hey man what's going on anybody messing with you at school how's it going you know if you're not having a conversation with your kids you letting them go come home play the video games or be on the phone and you know stuff like that happen yeah you know you can't blame it on the kids that's picking on i mean because kids going to be kids. Not saying that it's okay to bully and pick on other people, but what I'm saying is the parent, at some point you have to be a parent and, and be aware of those type of things. You know? And they can say, oh, mental issues all day long, but he knew what he was doing. It, it wasn't, it was planned out. It wasn't some, you no know, a spur of the moment type of thing. You know, it was something that he, he knew that, okay, on this day, I'm going to this school and I'm going to shoot up this school. I know this might sound insensitive, but it's bullshit. He knew. It was planned out. To me, it's Capital One. Easy. Cap- it's cap- it's cap- Capital Murder. That's easy, too. It, it, easy. You know, it's a slam dunk. But guess what? They're not going to do it. Why not? Because he looks a little different. You know, I was looking, you know, uh, a while ago. A little girl in Sterlington, Louisiana, she got shot. She was 16, 17 years old. She got shot by a 13-year-old kid. And the DA actually had the balls to call this young girl's mama. This white kid, mind you. The DA, white guy, 
called this girl's mom and asked her, hey, would you be okay if we gave him five years probation? <laughs> no. No. Fuck no. You, you, put his little, you put the little bastard in jail because that's where he belongs. You know, uh, you said something that kind of stood out to me uh, in terms of bullying. It was funny. I was actually talking about this a couple of days ago with somebody and and they kind of gave me the uh, the perspective of a bully. Bullying is wrong. Picking on people for disabilities, however you decide you want to pick on somebody, is wrong. I think the biggest disconnect with people is that, somewhat to what you said, is that people have become too soft to want to fight back. Hmm. So, let's say you know, it's, it's Champ, right? And Champ is being bullied at school. I was always taught, I mean, you know my mom, if somebody hits you, yeah. you hit them back. Yeah. If somebody's talking about you, you talk about them back. You know what I mean? You have, yeah. to, you have to be quick thinking in certain situations. And, I mean, I grew up now in a okay neighborhood, I had five brothers, one sister. If I got into a fight in the neighborhood and my brothers heard about it and I didn't win, guess what I'm going to have to go do? I'm going to have to go fight again. And and, and that was just the nature of how it was. And if I didn't learn how to crack, you know what I I had to learn. And like I said, I I, I grew up in a house with five brothers. Uh, And that's all we did was crack and joke on each other. And still to this day, you, you know, so I, I had to learn. I had a bunch of friends. It was about eight of us. And and all we did was, you know, laugh and joke on each other all day long. You 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 gotta learn. And but with that being said, you know, the bullying it, it comes to the disconnect as as a parent. Yep. You know, still to this day I ask my kids, man, hey, they in they in the going to the eighth and the ninth grade, I still ask, hey, man, anybody messing with you at school? Anybody picking on you at school? Because I know they not built or they they weren't raised or they're not being raised like I was raised. You understand what I'm saying? So we, we should know that our kids aren't as tough as we are. They not built to, to take the jokes like like we were or, or to, to play the dozens. So you know, it's disconnect in the, in the in the household when when the parents not not connected to the kids can't have a conversation. You know, you, you sit them down and you have that hard conversation. Hey man, what's going on? How was your day? And, and you should be able to tell, or you should know your kid well enough to know when something's wrong. If not, you know, shame on the parents. Yep. Because that means you're not paying attention. That means that you're disconnected. Mm. Um, just adding to what you guys are talking about um, I was talking to him a barbershop talk with my barber the other day you know when the shooting took place and how they broadcasted it on TV I feel like at this moment in time you know no offense when I say this but it's becoming a desensitizing situation it's, it happens over and over and you know they make a big deal out of, out of it only when it's white kids but when we're talking about the, the shooting that happened with the white boy, um, what it was in Carolina, South Carolina, Dylan, Dylan like Roof, never forget his name, yeah. Coward. Yeah, yes, but they took this guy 
to go get something to eat. Yeah, he went and got a whopper, uh, a bacon king from Burger King, you know. <laughs> so, so when we talking about stuff like this, we have to take in consideration that the media only show what they feel is important. If it wasn't for you know us being avid researchers and looking and seeing what was going on, most of those things we wouldn't have found out about ourselves. True. But so, I mean, go ahead. I'm a, I don't, don't mean to interrupt. But so, but back to your point, it's our responsibility to be aware of these these things. Um, now that being said, you know, like I said, I I didn't want to assault anybody by saying what I said, but I'm desensitized to that situation. It's it, it's happening all the time now. These these kids are getting access to weapons that they should never get their hands on. Man, but like I, like like I told you before, man. You know, I work with a bunch of white guys. You know, they cool cool people. But I mean, you know, they said we sit around and we talk before we actually go start doing work. And like I say, I got a seven year old son. Man, he shot his first deer. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? At seven. And 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 you know, like you can't, like you say, desensitize somebody about killing something that's live. At a young age, you know what you think you're gonna feel once he killed a person. Like it's a badge honor to it's a badge honor for a seven eight year old to kill a first deer. And in their community, you know that's a badge honor. Hmm. So so they start shooting early, and they know how to shoot. You know they got access to these AR 15s You know you know hmm. they got they got access to these two twenty threes because guess where it's at. It's in that gun closet that they go hunting with and hunt during hunting season. You know, if you go back and you look at the guy who did Sandy Hook, you know, his mom had a big gun collection, you know, in, in the right. safe. You think he didn't have access to that safe? <laughs> How do you think these guys, where, where do you think these guns coming from? These, these are hunting guns. <laughs> these guns that they go hunting with. And, you know, people are like, oh, well, we need to check and see if they have any mental health issues. No, it's no mental health issues. It's just that it's nothing wrong with him. He was clear-minded when he did it. You can't blame yeah. it on mental health every time somebody shoots somebody. No, they did it because they fucking knew what they was doing. Mm. You, you, you see what I'm saying? If somebody say something to me that I don't like and I go slap the shit out of them, I'm not crazy. I slapped the shit out of them because they was getting on my fucking nerves. Right. You know, not saying that it's okay. That's what the young man did. That was getting on his nerves, and he couldn't take it no more. And his only way to get out of it was to be a coward and pull a gun. And, and instead of having the nuts to confront them, he, he did the cow. He did what he did. You know, in the black community, they call it a first degree murder. In the white community, they call it a mental illness. So it sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> it, it don't equate the justice system has always been set up their way to where you know they they find a they find a flaw or in a person character trait if they're anything if they're if they're only white if you're black you know you, you had to do the crime you had to know the crime you know what you did but i mean i mean go back you go back in the history we we wasn't really you know we wasn't in that when the Constitution. It wasn't for us. The justice system wasn't for us. You know, mm -hmm. 
Never. We 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 wasn't written into that situation, you know, because it said, "Well, all men are created equal." This was in seventeen seventy six. You know, when this was written. I mean, it probably was written a couple of years before that, but we, we wasn't emancipated until eighteen sixty, right before the war. You know, which the Emancipation Proclamation really is irrelevant because how can you free somebody who's really not even paying attention to your rule or under your rule because they succeeded from the union. But Correct. like I say, that, that's neither here nor there. But we were never included into the Constitution or the justice system, so it was never meant for us. So for us to actually look for the justice system to work for us, it's not going to happen. Until we do like we just spoke about with the educational system, it starts to guide these young men and women to be senators and lawyers and and judges and district attorneys so that they can write policy and legislation. So instead of letting them go to school for sociology, they need to go to school for political science and criminal justice and pre-law so that they can be the lawyers and they can run for public office and be the servants that we need to actually change some of the things that's going on. I agree with that totally. So, like, I, but back to what I was saying, um, we just need to kind of, we kind of need to reform our way of thinking when we're talking about dealing with white folks in general, especially when you're talking about somebody who, quote unquote, has a badge, because most people that have a badge, they were, they feel like they have power for some odd reason. I just had it happen two days ago. I got pulled over and, you know, it was about a white cop. And he pulled me out the car and asked me for my driver's license, all this information, which I was happy that I obligated with him because I was, I'm a legal, you know, I'm legal. Everything, my paperwork speaks for itself. I don't have any background, but the guy treated me like a common criminal. I asked for his badge number. And when I asked for his badge number, he asked me why. And I told him because I'm going to report you. And when I said that, he saw, he saw that as an immediate threat. And all of a sudden, everything was just dropped. The whole situation was over. He went to his car and drove off. <laughs> so, I see, I see it happening out here. I see the mistreatment. I know what we know what's going on. And like you said, it will be in our best interest to give to get younger kids, especially that look like you and me, in those positions. So you know we can look out for each other because they're not going to look out for us. And I, I don't expect them to. And, you know, like, it's, it's not to say every one of them are bad. There's some good ones out there. Mm-hmm. But what makes it worse is the good ones cover up for the bad ones. Mm. And, and, it, and it actually makes it worse. So, you know, it's almost like, who can you trust? You know? Mm. Yeah, when we're talking about the police department, I believe the police department is built like a cult. They protect their own. They don't care about nobody else. And, you know, in, in, in talking about the police department, man, you know, I, I just think about what happened to T.I. a couple of days ago. You know, he going through his gated neighborhood and the security guard didn't want to let him in his neighborhood. Now, mm-hmm. I, I, to be honest with you, I don't care who you are. You could be from from the backwoods of West Virginia. 
if you know T.I., you, 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 he knew who the guy was. Mm-hmm. He wanted to give a guy a hard time. Hmm. He, he wanted to give him a hard time. You just can't tell me that he didn't know who, who he was. You, hmm. you, you know what I'm saying? Like, he's a famous rapper, and I, I guess now you can put him into rappers slash activists and, mm-hmm. and an actor, but I, I believe the security guard knew who he was. I'm sure he came through that gate often, but he may have felt like, hey, he don't belong in this neighborhood. Mm-hmm. He don't belong in this neighborhood because of how he looked. Mm. Mm. But that guard need a reality check because apparently if you're a guard in that gated community, you don't belong there neither. <laughs> so and and that's that's probably why he was mad. Like you in my spot. But I'm from her I, I heard the uh Hugler say say something that, that that was quite interesting. He said if you white and you poor, you wasted your white privilege. Mm. Mm. That's that's a good one. Trey, you got anything to add? I think he dropped off. So, um, yeah. Guess, man, we can hit on our black excellence for the week, man. I got two of them, man. And one of them is a guy, his name Daryl Kelly. Man, this is what he did, I, I believe, was awesome, man. He, uh, he graduated from law school, and he got his MBA the same day. You know, black guy, I think he was 24 years old. Man, salute right. to that guy, man. That, that's awesome. And, That's a round uh, of applause. <laughs> it's another one I got. Um, Lauren Simmons, she's the only woman on Wall Street on the trading floor, and she's a black woman. I think she graduated from high, high I know she graduated from high school in like 2012, but salute to her for being the only woman on Wall Street on the trading floor. Mm-hmm. Um, for black on for black excellence this week, I want to give a special shout out uh, to all the graduates across the world. Um, I, I saw I went to actually one graduation at Louisiana Delta Community College, man, and I saw all those brothers and sisters up there getting their degrees and moving forward with their lives. And I I just want to give everybody a special shout out because that is that is not an easy feat. You got to be very dedicated to to go and try to get those degrees. All right, man, I want to thank everybody for joining us this week, man. This, that in, this concludes episode number five. Um, it wouldn't let Julia speak, so we're going to have to have him on a, again on another episode and let him speak because I know he got a lot to say, man. He's a brilliant guy. Um, I wish you guys check out his. It's called Inside Julius's Mind. And um, my quote to end for the night is not actually a quote. It's a creed that I have for my, my mentoring program. My mentoring program is loud. It's an acronym for Live Out Your Dreams. And this is what I came up with. I said, today and every day, I will focus on encouraging and inspiring. I will always use encouraging words towards people. My actions will be in a manner that they inspire people to make positive changes in their environment. I will seek knowledge and understanding daily. Hmm. And, you know, and 
that's my quote for tonight. You got anything to end it up, brother? Uh, yes. Um, special shout out to Julius for coming on today. Um, also, if you guys, if you guys have any questions or you want to give any suggestions for topics, you can reach us at radicalthinkers2 at gmail.com. It's radical radicalthinkers2 with the number two at gmail.com. Thank you, guys.